0: Awesome, guys, I want to introduce you to a couple of friends of ours who are visiting today. This is Seth and Annalise Walker, and they're here from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, one of the things that God placed a burden and a passion uh, in our hearts for since our earliest days as a church, when we first were starting this church eight years ago, uh, we really felt this, this burden and this passion uh, to help be a part of planting other churches, okay? Okay. And to realize that the story doesn't stop with us, but that we want to be a church that sends people out. We want to be a church um, that continues to pray about where the next frontier is and um, and is a part of breaking that hard ground in places um, where a lot of times the gospel people are resistant to the gospel. Um, So there have been multiple towns and cities that we have been praying about since our earliest days as a church. And uh, recently we got connected with these guys and there was a real heart connection uh, because Charleston, South Carolina is one of those places that we have been praying about, uh, even since before the first service we ever had here as a church. And so these two young people right here, really young, how old are you again? Twenty-two. All right, 22 and 22, okay, are extremely brave and bold in what they are doing, all right? They have moved from Michigan, their home state, to Charleston, South Carolina, to be a part of planting this church. They are leading the charge in that. And so as a church, we want to come around them and support them um, and pray for them. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about this when when they've shared their vision with you. Uh, But we want to encourage any of you that as they're talking, as they're sharing their heart and their vision, If there's something in you that is clicking with that, if there's something stirring in you, then we want to challenge you to pray through what it means to be a part of what they're doing, okay? If that means to give financially, if that means to sign up to be prayer partners for them, if that means to pick up and move to Charleston, South Carolina, or if that means that you have friends and connections in that area that you can help connect them to, Um, we want to be that kind of church, okay? Okay. We want to be that kind of church. That's a burden God's put on our heart. So I encourage you in that. So I would love for you guys to welcome today Seth and Annalise Walker, and they're going to share
1: their hearts with us a little bit. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit just about how we how we got to Charleston and our, and our vision and our city a little bit. So uh, Annalise and I, we were in, engaged for about a year and a half, and during that time, we knew we wanted to do church planting, but ne- didn't know where. We went to a conference uh, that the le- one of the leaders there said, comfort and security are the two biggest enemies of a leader. Who's missing out because you won't step out because of those things? And we were living in Marion uh, in different apartments, and I was really homesick in Michigan. Uh, I was li- we lived in Marion, Indiana, and Podunk little town, c- cornfields all around it kind of thing. And so... Uh, <laughs> was really wanting to go back to Michigan, and then when I heard that, that, that struck me. It's like, no, that's not the place. That's your comfort and security. Yeah. Uh, so we prayed about it, and uh, we had some family friends in, in Charleston. So we, uh, we, I talked to them see what that looked like. They had us come down. Uh, we, we fell in love with the place, prayed about it, fasted about it, and uh, found ourselves in Charleston a little while later. So a little bit about Charleston. Uh, it's grown like crazy. Uh, Forty-five new people every day are moving to the area and uh, we heard that if there were uh, a new church planted every other week and that church had 600 people attend it, that would just cover the growth rate of Charleston, let alone the population that's already there. Wow. And so it's just, there's so much need for, for people to hear the gospel, hmm. to know it. Um, so we felt called the downtown Charleston area. It's a historic downtown, uh, but it's very urban feel. It, there's three universities in the Little Peninsula area, College of Charleston, Medical University of South Carolina, and the Citadel. And uh, we, we got ourselves a cool little spot the Charleston Music Hall, very similar to this theater kind of feel. Uh, so we're really excited for that. Um, and what we really uh, feel like we're, we're after for people for our church is people in transition, people who are either they're single they're starting new careers. Uh, they're getting married they're having kids, or even maybe they're going through a divorce or through some hardships and life is just in transition and it's mm-hmm. in a, it's in a weird spot kind of thing and so uh we really wanted people um just to uh, we wrote this down so i wouldn't get this wrong either so <laughs> <laughs> um but we wanted them to be to be filled with purpose um and for us that that's through jesus as christians as Christians, as followers of of christ it's through Jesus. Uh, because when we when we start to, to get a, when Jesus gets a hold of our lives and actually he really is, number one, starts changing our hearts, uh, things start to happen. Either we start to see just how much uh, he loves us, how, the plans he has for us, how good they are. Mm-hmm. We go from a more inward look of life to more outward and helping others and loving on others. Um, and we just want people to realize in the transition that God, God is with them, that God has a plan for them, that there is something for them in the midst of this chaos. And so that's where we really wanted to reach people uh, was in that. And so that's where our our hearts are for our church. And Alyssa is going to share a little bit about where we are and what we're doing currently. So
2: So thank you guys again for having us. Um, This weekend has been such a huge blessing just getting to know um, Love Chapel Hill and exploring a little bit. So um, our church's name is Harbortown Church. Um, Even though Charleston is kind of known as a city, the people that have lived there for a long time see it as a like, it's kind of more of a small-town feel in a way, which is really unique. Mm-hmm. So Town Church is the name of our church. Um, and so we are launching on January thirteenth, two 2019, so about 11 months from now. so Or 12, 13 months, sorry. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, 13 months. Um, yeah, so in the next 13 months, we are going to be fundraising. Um, I'm already working in downtown Charleston. I work at a real estate office downtown. And in the next few months, Seth is going to get a job downtown as well. Um, and this will just... Help us to get to know the community more um, we just moved to the area about six months ago so we just have a lot of learning to do learning the people learning the culture learning what the needs in the community are so that's one big thing that we're going to do um, we're also planning to move to downtown right now we live in a suburb of downtown but in order to best reach the people and just get to know the area um, we're planning on moving downtown and just really becoming a part of the community Um, We'll also be fundraising. Um, It takes a lot of resources to start up a church, um, as a lot of you know from being at Love Chapel Hill. Um, Mm -hmm. But we are just excited to see what God's going to do and how he's going to fulfill that. Um, Another big need we have is just prayer. Um, We just need to be covered in prayer as we get to know the community and as as God brings all the pieces together of our team and of just how we're going to do our church and how we're going to reach the people. Um, And then kind of going into that last point of one of our needs is building a team. Um, Right now, it's just the two of us. (laughs) So um, Mm -hmm. we just have a lot of faith in who the Lord's going to bring to us. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we just love that. Um, Your church is so open to kind of that multiplication of just um, sharing people and sharing resources. So um, if any of you have felt a strain in your heart while we're talking, um, we definitely would encourage you to talk to us, whether... You would just like to pray for us or financially support us or even join our team and move to Charleston. Um, that's a great city. So. Yes, it
1: is.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So thank awesome. you guys very much.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, all right.
0: We're going to take a minute and pray over you guys. OK, um, so if any of you, you can join us if you want right now or you can extend a hand um, and we're going to pray over these two. And I just want to reiterate again, as we're praying, ask the Holy Spirit, what's your part in this? OK, do you have a part to play in this? Um, raise your hand if you're a pastor. OK, right. Just a couple, right? Churches aren't made up of pastors. Churches are made up of, of people, right? Every single one of us has a calling and a way to serve in the kingdom and a way to lead in the kingdom. Not just someone who carries a title of pastor or reverend. OK. And so for whatever it is that God is leading you into in your life, um, is there a place for that in Charleston? Is there an opportunity there? Um, If God is stirring in your heart, then then say yes. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these two. Um, I just thank you so much for Seth and Annalise and for their story, um, for the way that you have been leading them into this calling, the way that you've made it clear every single step of the way. And we pray that you will continue to do that, continue to put stories in their path that will be confirmation once again, that you're in this, um, that they are hearing you correctly and um, that as they move in obedience, you're already out ahead of them. You're already working. Um, You've been there. You've been moving in that town for a very long time. And um, and and they are just joining the bigger picture of what you're already doing there. Um, you've got people in that town that you have an appointment with for them that are going to hear the gospel through their ministry, whose lives are going to be transformed, and it's going to cause a ripple effect of transformation around them. You've got people around this country and around the world that you're stirring right now to move to that place, and and, and there's going to be an encounter where they meet you, where they where they hear the gospel through this ministry and they're transformed. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to just pave the way, be the pioneer who goes out ahead of them and and just lays down the path for them so that as they move in obedience, they'll continue to see that you've got everything in place and that when you call us, you're already working to make it happen. You're already working to fulfill the promise that you've given us. So I pray for encouragement for them. I pray for the right team to come around them. Um, I pray for miraculous provision uh, for what they're doing and um, encourage them, draw them even closer together as a young married couple um, as they move deeper into this calling together. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Let's give it up for them, guys. takes a lot of courage to do what they're doing. Um, they're going to be in the lobby after the service today. So I encourage you to grab them, hear their story, talk to them, ask them what questions are stirring in your heart. Um, they're going to be glad to, to talk with you. Again, if you're feeling the the calling to support um, in any way, to join what they're doing in any way, we are behind that. Um, we support that, and we love that. So please do it. Awesome. Uh, you may have heard this week Uh, the story going around about this letter to Santa Claus that a six-year-old from Virginia wrote as part of a class assignment, all right? This kid was given this assignment uh, to write a letter to Santa, and he was not having it, all right? He did not like this assignment. He had to do it anyway, so here is the letter that he ended up writing. Dear Santa, Santa, I'm only doing this for the class. I know your naughty list is empty. And your good list is empty. And your life is empty. (laughs) That's hardcore, man. Come on. You don't know the trouble I've had in my life. Goodbye, love. I'm not telling you my name. That is amazing, all right? But that kid ain't getting nothing for Christmas this year, all right? That is so funny, right? Because it just seems completely out of line from what we see around us, okay? Like it seems completely out of line with the trappings of the season, the joy, the peace, the hope that we're seeing, to get that kind of skepticism. And bitterness at such a young age, poor kid, six, you don't know the trouble I've had in my life. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) But it just seems so out of alignment, right? It seems out of alignment, and and that's the, the humor in it. There's this dissonance between what you expect to see from this letter and what you actually get. That's the, that's the kind of feeling I get with the passage that we're going to be reading today, all right? That's the initial sense. You're like, this does not feel like it's in line with this season. Like We should be getting this message of hope and joy and peace and like with the gentle snowfall and, and all of the trappings of the season. But the prophecy of scripture that we're going to look at today from the book of Malachi chapter 3, it does not have that sentiment in it. All right. This doesn't feel like a Christmas passage. And there is a reason as we read through this, though, you're going to see that there's a reason why the church around the world historically keeps coming back to this passage for this season of the year as the church is preparing its heart for the arrival of the Messiah in the season of Advent. As we're longing for the arrival of Jesus and we get our hearts and our minds set on that, you're going to see as we dig into this today why this is a passage over and over again that the church keeps coming back to. This is not just some random thing that we drew out. The church keeps coming back to this passage. Here's what it says, uh, Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 1. We're going to go through verse 5. See, I will send my messenger... Who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. Says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have leaders who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come near to you for judgment. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Well, Merry Christmas. (laughs) This one hasn't inspired a lot of the Classic Christmas carols has it, Mm. chestnuts roasting over an open fire of judgment. (laughs) Judgment nipping at your nose, not doesn't. Better watch out. Better not cry. All right, he's coming. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't sit. There's this. There's this disconnect between what we understand, the sentiment that we so often have about this season. And this passage, but the church historically keeps coming back to it over and over again. And we're going to dig into the reason why a little bit of context for this passage. First of all, Holy Spirit, lead us today. Please direct us. This is your word, not ours. So pray that you would speak clearly. That you would pinpoint the areas in our lives That need to be burned away today. That we would cut through the trappings and and traditions. And we would see you for who you are. And that we would have hearts prepared to surrender. We're yours. This word is yours. And we sit and surrender under it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So a little bit of context about this passage. All right. So Malachi, uh, we know nothing about the person who wrote this book. We know nothing about this person apart from what we have in the book itself. Like there's no other context that we can draw outside of the book. Really, he's the last of the 12 minor prophets and the last book of the Old Testament. So this is where the Old Testament story ends right here with malachi he's got this theme that runs through his whole book over and over again and the basic theme of the book is this promise of the lord i will send my messenger i will send my messenger it's repeated throughout the book in fact the name malachi means my messenger and so the lord keeps saying this through the prophet Malachi, I will send my messenger. So we get this promise that the messenger is coming. One is coming, who's going to prepare the way. And then another messenger is coming after that one who will be the messenger of the covenant, who will be the Lord himself. I will send my messenger. Then the book comes to a close. We turn one page from the chapter that we're at today. And this is what we get. Okay, this is the end of the Old Testament. And there's a blank page between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew. What we don't get from just flipping through the Bible and what we need to know from the context is this blank page right here represents 400 years of history. 400 years between the close of Malachi and the opening of the book of Matthew. 400 years, a blank page. This is what the season of Advent is. It's intentionally entering into this time of the blank page and feeling the tension of what it means to wait for the arrival of the Messiah, what it means to to hear the promise and to sit in the promise, to remind ourselves of the promise and to wait for the fulfillment. Some of you right now, your life could be described as a blank page. You're in the middle of that tension right now. You know that God has promised his faithfulness to you. You know that God has a future for you, but you have no clue what it's going to look like yet. And you're in this time of tension where you can feel it that space between the promise and the fulfillment, and you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know how this is going to work out. Let this blank page in your Bible. Be a testimony to you. Let it be an encouragement to you. That even when it feels like God has gone silent. God is not still. He is moving. He is at work. And he's going to complete that in your life. He is faithful. He is faithful. So if you're in that season of blank page today. Then be encouraged. Be encouraged. God will come through. And he will fulfill everything that he's ever promise to any of us so one of the things that we need to recognize here is that in this first verse in chapter three where it says see i will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me and then suddenly the lord you are seeking will come to his temple the messenger of the covenant Whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So we actually got two messengers that this passage is talking about. The first is this pioneer kind of figure who's preparing the way for the arrival of the second messenger. The second messenger is the messenger of the covenant, the one who's going to fulfill the covenant. We talked last week about that, that the history of Israel hangs on this timeline of the five covenants that God made to his people through Adam and Eve through Noah, through Abraham, through Moses and through David. All right. And how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those. He's the messenger of the covenant. So who's this first messenger that the prophet is talking about? It's John the Baptist. All right. Jesus tells us in the New Testament that John the Baptist is the one who was sent to prepare the way. Right. The way Malachi ends is it gives them gives us this promise that wait. And before the coming of the Lord, I will send Elijah to prepare the way. And Jesus tells his disciples, if you have the eyes to see it, if you have the ears to hear it, if you've got the mind to understand it and the heart to believe it, then understand that John the Baptist is that Elijah figure that was promised the old the, the the last prophet of the old covenant, the first prophet of the new covenant, the one who has come to prepare the way for the arrival of the Messiah. he prepares the way he's the pioneer to get people ready for the arrival of Jesus. this is challenging to me, all right, and I want to pause right now and challenge you with it too, with this question: What about you? What kind of messenger? Are you? How is the Lord shaping you to be a figure, to be a person in the vein of John the Baptist, a person who prepares the way for the arrival of Jesus in the lives of the other people around us? Are you tracking with me on that? How is he using you to create a pathway into the lives of other people for his arrival into their lives what are you communicating about him to the people around you do they see the reality of jesus in your life and it begins to soften the ground of their hearts do they see the way that you carry yourself and it begins to let the walls of skepticism about the hypocrisy of christianity start to fall down Are they seeing the fruit of the spirit being displayed in your life like real transformation, true transformation, not just something that you say you believe. But when when it really gets difficult, when things are the most difficult, do they see that playing out in your life? If they can't see the difference that it's making in your in your life, then you're just adding another brick to the wall. You're adding another brick to the wall. But how is the Lord using you? How's the Holy Spirit using you to be like a John the Baptist figure, a pioneer for other people to pave the way for Jesus entering into their lives? Who are the people around you right now that you know the Holy Spirit right in this moment is challenging you? You need to be a John the the Baptist to that person. Who are those people? Get them in your mind. Get them in your heart. And don't let that go away and ask yourself, what kind of message am I communicating to them about the reality of Jesus? Can they really see it in me? Can they see it in me, or am I just adding more bricks to the wall? So the next part of it is this. So the first is that messenger who's John the Baptist. The second is the messenger of the covenant, Jesus himself. And the thing about Jesus as the messenger is, that Jesus is not only the messenger, but he is the message, right? He is the message. Everything that we believe is centered around him. It's all about him. Christianity is not a collection of doctrines that you're trying to convince people are true. Christianity is not a philosophy that you're trying to convince people, look, this is the best way, most productive way to live your life. Christianity is not an ethic. It's not a platform. It's not a worldview. It's not an agenda. It's not a competing religion to show people, hey, this one's slightly better than the one that you're in right now. It's not a moral standard. It's not a series of self-help life hacks to make things slightly better for people. It's not what Christianity is. Our message is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Point people Jesus, point people to Jesus. That's what we're called to do. He is the messenger and He is the message Himself. We need to keep moving. We're going to move into verses three and four here. And here's where things get really tough for today. All right? Here's where it really, you start to feel that that breakdown and that sense where this doesn't seem to align with the season and, and, and other things that we're talking about. It's when when uh, Malachi begins to describe the coming of Jesus as the arrival of this refiner's fire, the refiner's fire. We think about Jesus as the light of the world, right? And he tells us that that he's the light of the world. And in Advent, like we look at the, the soft glow of the Advent candle, right? And we think about the, 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 gleam of the distant star, but what we don't often think about is that Jesus isn't like a, a soft candle. He's not like a distant star. Jesus is a fire. Jesus is a fire, a refiner's fire. And that makes us really uncomfortable. Over the past week and a and, and couple of weeks, we've seen these images, these heartbreaking images, these frightening images coming out of California. We're praying for friends there. We have friends that are in that area that we're praying for, other churches that we're connected to that we're praying for through this. And just the the heartbreaking and frightening destruction of what we can see fire doing when it is unleashed, right? The way it just wipes everything out in its path, it consumes everything in its path. And it's frightening to think about Jesus. In those kinds of terms. The holiness of God. So brilliant. So blazing. That it has the power to consume everything. In its path. And that's why Malachi says. In the coming of that day. When the fire comes. Who could possibly stand. And who can endure. Who can endure. But here's what we need to understand about who Jesus is, that this fire that we're talking about isn't a destructive fire that is just running wild. But instead, fire also has the power when it's harnessed to bring about transformation and to bring about purity and to bring about refinement in our lives. And this is who Jesus is in the coming of that day. Who can stand? None of us. Who could endure the judgment of God? Not a single one of us. I don't care how good you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your resume looks like. It's not possible. It's not possible to stand in the light of his holiness. But because God is holy, we never could approach him. But because God is love, he has come to us. Who could endure? Who can stand? None of us. But because Jesus took the fall for us, because Jesus took the judgment on himself, now we can stand in his presence because of that. Jesus is this refining fire, and he has come to transform us, and he has come to transform us into gold, it says. So a fire that's just unleashed and is wild, it has this destructive power, but when it's harnessed and when it's focused, It can have this transforming power and this purifying power and this refining power. And that's what Jesus does in our lives. He burns away all the things about us that are not gold. And when we pass through that refining process and we come out on the other side, he is purifying us. He is making us more into the likeness of who he is. One of my heroes, as you guys know, is a C.S. Lewis. And because it's Sunday, I'm quoting C.S. Lewis today. Um, Come on, Donna. (laughs) That was harsh. And your life is empty. (laughs) I'm quoting the kid from the Santa letter. (laughs) That's you. You're the kid with the Santa letter, Donna. Awesome. All right. Um, So here's what C.S. Lewis says in his classic book, Uh, mere Christianity he says this imagine yourself as a living house God comes in to rebuild that house at first perhaps you can understand what he's doing he's getting the drains right and he's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on you know that these jobs needed doing and so you're not surprised but presently He starts knocking about the house in a way that hurts terribly and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house than the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting in an extra floor there running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. Amen. Amen. This is the transforming power of the grace of Jesus in our lives. It is a refining fire. This is what holy love looks like. The brilliance and the blaze of this refiner's fire does not destroy us, but instead it transforms us. And it is taking us through the process of being made into the purest gold. That's what he's up to in your life. So let me ask you this question. What is he burning away in your life? What is he burning away in your life? What are the things that right now, even as these words are being spoken over you, The Holy Spirit is illuminating some things in your life that cannot make it through the fire. Things that need to go. Things that need to be burnt away. When we think about this season, we often think about what Jesus brings. But we also need to be honest about what he takes away. And he's at work in your life. He's refining. He's burning things away. What is it that is not gold in you? That you know is not going to make it through the refinement process. Surrender it. Don't fight the flames. Surrender it. And the brilliance and the beauty and the blaze of his holy love. Will transform you. Will transform you. Jesus will never tempt you. But Jesus will test you. There's a major difference between temptation and testing. In temptation the goal is to make you fail. In testing, the goal is to make you stronger, right? In in temptation, the the goal is to steal away your treasure. But in the testing, that is purifying the gold. That's what Jesus is up to in your life. In, In temptation, it's pulling the rug out from under you. And in testing, it's building a firm foundation for you to stand on. What is he building in your life? What is he testing? What is he putting through the fire to burn away all that is not gold? Don't fight the flames. Surrender to it. Surrender to it. This Jesus that we celebrate in this season, the arrival that we have been longing for, he has come and he has come to transform the world. And there's so much hope in that. But brace yourself. Because he's come to transform you first. He's going to start with you. He's going to start with you. He's transforming the world. And he's transforming you along with it. We're going to move into communion. And as we do. I want to challenge you and encourage you. To spend time in prayer. We'll have people down front. uh, Ready to pray with you. And to pray over you. And specifically today. I want you to pray about that question. What is it in my life that he's burning away? What is it that he wants to burn away? What is it that is not gold that cannot make it through the refinement process? Am I ready to surrender? Am I ready to surrender that to his flames of transformation? Well, Jesus' last night with his disciples, he took the bread that was on the table and he broke it. And he said, This is my body broken. To make you whole. And then he took the cup on the table. And he said this represents the blood of the new covenant. Poured out for the salvation of the world. Every time you taste it. Remember what I have done for you. Today we invite you as a church family. To come to the Lord's table. This table belongs to Jesus. It does not belong to us. And he invites you and he welcomes you. If you want to submit to him, if you want to embrace his love for you and the grace that he's poured out for you, we invite you to come and to participate in that. And as you come and as you take a piece of the bread and dip it into the cup in that act of taking, also ask him, Jesus, what do you want to take from me? What do you want to take from me? He comes to bring so much, but he also comes to take and to burn away what isn't gold. Ask him that and surrender it to the flames. There'll be opportunity on both sides. And on this side, uh, you will also have a gluten free option if you need that. Come to the king's table.